blue wire. Rosen traded to the Dolphins. I couldn't be more excited to become a Dolphin. Rosen looking down the field, and his pass is going to be caught for the touchdown. Running around, circling, oh look out! What's up, Finn fans? Welcome to Finn It to Win It. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and the Miami Dolphins have defeated the New England Patriots in Foxborough for the first time since the Wildcat game of 2008, and the first time in December that the Dolphins have beaten the New England Patriots in Foxborough since the year 2000, Bill Belichick's first season as the head coach of the New England Patriots. And it was done, as everything has been done this season, on the ballsy, crazy right arm of Ryan Fitzpatrick, who threw in this game for over 300 yards, finishing uh, the season with 3,500 passing yards, despite starting just 13 games this year. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think this is the best performance of Ryan Fitzpatrick's entire career. Uh, what he was able to do, getting the starting job at the start of the year, getting pulled for Rosen for three games, uh, coming back in at halftime against Washington, ultimately elevating the play of those around him as much as he has. You know, it's impossible to ignore. And uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to recap the Dolphins season in general. We're going to kind of work our way through uh, the critical junctures, who's made the step forward we need them to, who has not, where the big holes are in the roster, so on and so forth. So this team started 0-7, finished the year at, with a 5-11 and record, meaning they went 5-4 and over their final nine games of the season. As a team that was getting blown out, they, they were negative 92 in the point differential through the first two games of the season. Incredible. Absolutely incredible from from Miami's perspective. The growth that they had from week two's 43 to nothing shellacking in which the offense had 184 total yards and four turnovers. Two defensive touchdowns for the Patriots. To a 27-24 victory in Foxborough over the Patriots in which the Dolphins accumulated 389 yards of offense. So they more than doubled their offensive yardage. They did not have a turnover. Defensively, they forced two turnovers, including a pick six of Tom Brady in this football game by Eric Rowe. The, the growth we've seen from start to finish. If you are still a Dolphins quote-unquote tanker who wanted to see the Dolphins just flush this game down the toilet, bid it farewell, get the first pick, you know how bad you were going to have to be? I can tell you this right now. If the Bengals would have beaten the Miami Dolphins in week 15, in week 16, they weren't beating the Browns <laughs> this past week. So Cincinnati finished the year with two wins and beat the Jets and the Browns. Uh, lost in overtime to the Dolphins week 16. Miami, too, have been in a position to be that bad would have 
to to take the number one pick and be in a position to draft it, who everybody assumed was going to be Tua Tonga Viola and ended up being LSU's Joe Burrow is going to be the first pick. This team would have had to have had Baltimore and New England performances on a weekly basis. We're talking seven turnovers, minus six turnover differential in two games, uh, 12 and 11 first downs, an average of five points a game, under 200 yards of offense. Like, this would have been, you thought it was bad enough when Miami went 0-6, 0-7, lost to Washington, lost to the Steelers on Monday Night Football, and we had to hear everybody bag on the Dolphins. If you thought it was bad then, go back and rewatch Week 2 and realize that's how bad you would have had to be every single game to ensure that you got the pick that you wanted for the singular player that you wanted. And it's ironic because the early in the year, there were a lot of questions of what if Tua decides to go back to school because he doesn't want to play for such a bad Dolphins team? Well, it seemed like nonsense. And Joe Burrow's a senior. He doesn't have that option. But what if you decided to, to Eli Manning or John Elway the Dolphins because of how bad they are? Well, you think the Dolphins are going to have that problem now. Being as undermanned as they were, going 5-4, and four, winning record over their final nine games, including wins over the playoff-bound Philadelphia Eagles and the playoff-bound New England Patriots, that one coming in Foxborough, in a game the Patriots needed to win. This is a monumental game for Miami to transition into this offseason because they're going to be able to point to the growth from 43 to nothing in Week 2 to 27-24 in Week 17 and say, we did this with guys that we picked up off the street we want you a premier free agent, or we want you a high-end draft pick. We want you to come be a part of this. But this is what we were capable of throughout the course of 15, 16 weeks with guys off the street. Think of what we're building here. Think of what this can be. Think of all the perks of being in Miami. But you have to commit to our process. You have to play by our rules. And the Dolphins are going to have the opportunity to sell themselves to a lot of different players. And I don't think any draft pick is going to turn their nose up at being a Miami Dolphin and playing for Brian Flores. The respect and credibility that Miami has gained over the last nine weeks of the season, do not underestimate it. Miami has positioned themselves extremely well to use this as a launch pad. And that's exactly what they should do. You know, we're, we're facing a, a offseason ahead of us where the Dolphins are going to have the most salary cap space in the NFL. They're going to have three first-round picks. They're going to have six picks in the top 70 of the draft order. There's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot of opportunities ahead. And the, the, the fruit has been bore for, New England, or for the Dolphins beating New England the way that they did, effectively Tom brady Tom Brady. How many times have we seen in his career Tom Brady goes down and scores in the final seconds of a game to take the lead and win the football game? It happens all the time. And even when Miami, when Miami scored here, I said, shoot, they might have left too much time with 24 seconds left to go down and kick a field goal. 
Thought it was interesting. Tom just kind of threw up a prayer on the second to last play before the laterals. Um, hoping to either get DPI or get lucky, I guess. I was surprised New England would have had time and would have had an opportunity to uh, attack the middle of the field, maybe look for 15 yards or so, and then you run a quick out to the sideline and you're position to kick a long field goal. Uh, didn't materialize that way. It, it, it worked out materialized for the Dolphins. So Miami now is going to have a lot of difficult, expensive, ambitious decisions to make. They're going to have to figure out what they want to do with some of their existing veterans on the team, the Rashad Joneses of the world. They're going to have to figure out what they want to do with that contract if they just want to cut him and be done with it. They want to try and trade him. He might be a little more easy to trade as far as his cap hit, but now he's a year older and had another season-ending injury. Uh, The Dolphins are also going to have to monitor what is happening with star cornerback Xavier Howard. If you missed the news this morning, Howard was arrested overnight for domestic battery uh, did a dispute that got physical with his fiance. Uh, still a lot of, still very early in the process. There's a police report that Cameron Wolf from ESPN uh, had, had written about in detail what was in that police report. I highly recommend you guys check it out. At this point in time, still need more information. Need to monitor uh, that situation. Let all the details come to light. But Miami had a zero tolerance probably with Mark Walton. And uh, this is Mark Walton was involved in a domestic incident as well and was cut during his two-game suspension. And uh, the Dolphins just paid Xavier Howard five years, $76.5 million contract extension this summer. He's viewed as a long-term staple. But there's clearly a lapse of judgment here, and and the Dolphins need to do their due diligence and unfortunately may have to make a decision. Uh, I'm not going to speculate one way or the other. I think that would be irresponsible to do until we have more information on this. But it is definitely something that we now need to pay attention to. Nick Needham, to his credit, on the other side, has has been a really fun player to watch develop. I don't necessarily know if I would go all in on him as the outside corner opposite. Uh, Xavier Howard, assuming Xavier Howard is back, uh, pending any disciplinary actions there. But I would say Nick Needham is is a fun little player that I would love to see get a shot at being the full-time nickel in Miami. Or if you want to, I think you have to get another starter at corner, assuming Howard is back. Uh, The safeties, I think Eric Rowe with strong safeties in great shape. Bobby McCain, I'm okay with Bobby. Uh, I think his first year at safety, he'd been playing nickel before that. I think he showed enough. He had some nice plays, and specifically in the Dallas game, he had an interception of Dak Prescott. I think there's enough there that we could work with with Bobby, and he's young enough that I don't wouldn't put it as a pressing need for the team. A little bit more versatility on the second level, the linebackers, and rush off the edge, a presence off the edge. And a name that I've talked about on this show before, and I've talked about plenty for USA Today's Dolphins Wire as, as a name that I want desperately for Miami, is uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe set to be a free agent in Jacksonville, and he, uh, at the end of the, the season this morning, tweeted out a checkered flag and a peace sign. He is done. He views himself at the end of his time in Jacksonville. does not appear he has any interest in coming back. Uh, so he will be a player that in some way, shape, or form will be available. So that's an exciting player. You obviously factor in the Dolphins' three first-round picks, and, and from a draft capital perspective, what they're able to do there. 
defensively, we're in pretty good shape. The last time I was on this show, we talked about the offensive line extensively and some of the options that are going to be at their disposal. They're in good shape. They're going to be in really good shape to sell themselves to free agents, to sell themselves to prospects coming in. Come be a part of our process. You saw what we were. You saw what we became. This is only the beginning. To quote Brian Flores in the locker room during his victory speech, this is only the beginning. Believe me when I say that. We'll be right back after this message from today's sponsor to continue talking about the Dolphins season recap. You ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt that's actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts will always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50-plus fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick-and-mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never, ever look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big ever again. And with the website, it is easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. We'd like to thank them for sponsoring today's episode of Fin It to Win It. We've talked a little bit on the show about Ryan Fitzpatrick. How about Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Miami Dolphins leading rusher for the year 2019? I'd like to repeat, 37-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick is the Dolphins leading rusher, not just in actual yardage, but if you factor in his attempts of Dolphins players with 50 attempts or more this season. Ryan Fitzpatrick has the best average rush yards per attempt on the year with four and a half. Ryan Fitzpatrick is also the Miami Dolphins leading scorer on the ground with four rushing touchdowns. So Ryan Fitzpatrick this year has 24 total touchdowns and 13 interceptions, a QB rating of 64.5, which is pretty solid. He's had four fourth-quarter comebacks, four game-winning drives. Uh, But the biggest thing Ryan Fitzpatrick did was he helped revitalize the career of Devontae Parker, who so helped me if he doesn't make the Pro Bowl, we're going to have a problem. 72 catches for 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns, and Devontae was sublime in the Week 17 matchup. I expected him to be negated from by Stephon Gilmore for a majority, if not all, of this football game. He went out and he torched. He torched Gilmore. Gilmore's a player who had legitimate NFL Defensive Player of the Year resume coming into this game. And Parker Big Boy, plain and simple. You don't go, have to go any further back to that ball that Parker caught on the game-winning drive where he elevated over Gilmore, and uh, just that's what Devontae's been this year, and Devontae finally has a quarterback with the needed aggressiveness, and I think that's a trait of Ryan Fitzpatrick that we're going to have to look for in the next candidate 
to take over because Ryan has this, it's like he's smart enough to know better, but he doesn't care. And most of the time it works out pretty well, especially when you're throwing to a guy with the springs like Devontae Parker and you're throwing to a guy in Mike Gusecki, who's another huge target. Gasecki's really blossomed this year. I'm really excited about the growth we've seen from. Can we talk about just from a raw numbers perspective, we, what we got from Gasecki? Uh, Gasecki had 32 targets, 22 catches in 16 games in 2018. This year, he had 89 targets, 51 catches, 570 yards, and five touchdowns. Gusecki did not score a single touchdown in 2018, his rookie season. Gusecki averaged an extra two yards a catch, and he started playing with the physicality component of his game that we've been looking for for a big body at tight end. He's not somebody who has played to his potential from a size perspective. He was getting knocked around and... Uh, couldn't keep his footing through press coverage and collisions. And Mike started to turn the corner on that front. And that's the biggest piece of excitement for him. And then you take into consideration the snaps that Mike took this year. If I told you that Mike played more than 90 or more percent of the team's offensive snaps in one game this year, would you believe me? If I told you that Mike Gusecki played 70% or more of the snaps in Miami's games in just three games this season, would you have believed me? Mike continuing to, to really become an every-down player that whether we're going to go in line and try and do power runs or if we are going to uh, spread it out and go empty set, Mike's going to be able to successfully execute those responsibilities. If we get to that point with Mike Gusecki, we are in terrific shape because he just has to fill out the rest of his resume as far as being able to do everything to stay on the field. We're getting there. We're seeing that. Gusecki snapped, excuse me, four games this year, 70% or more, and all of those games came within the final six games of the season. That's great. That is terrific growth. Obviously, the production that he's had, Mike has yet to put up 100 yards in the game. He came close against the Jets. It was poetic to see him do that to Adam Gase when he put up six for 95 the first time they played Miami's first win of the year. He put up 82 on 12 targets against the Bengals. Against the Patriots, caught the game-winning touchdown. Five touchdowns in his final six games. The arrow on so many of these players is pointing up. It's looking good. Defensively, Jerome Baker lived up to every expectation you could have possibly set for him. He finished with 125 combined tackles, an interception, four passes defensed, one and a half sacks, three tackles for loss. When you see when you've got these guys that play out in space a lot, you're not going to get a ton of opportunities to get splash plays in the backfield. But Jerome is so athletic, his ability to play kind of flexed out onto the hashes 
removes a lot of opportunities for him to make splash backfield plays. Which is why you see guys like Sam McGuavin got seven tackles for loss. Vince Beagle got seven tackles for loss. Devon Godshaw got four. Christian Wilkins got three. Taco Charlton got three. Shoot, Taco couldn't even dress here at the end of the game or at the end of the season. Miami, defensively, I think has staple players in Jerome Baker, Eric Rowe, Devon Godshall, Raekwon McMillan, Christian Wilkins, maybe, probably Bobby McCain. Like, this defense is not far off, and then it's just depth. The Dolphins, I understand the Patriots' offense has been, bad would be putting it nicely, the The last month or so, New England's offense has struggled greatly. But Tom Brady could not pass the ball on this secondary with these guys signed off the street. Man, this team gets healthy defensively. Brian Flores is going to have them cooking. They invest heavy in corner and pass rush off the edge. Telling you right now. Now, let's talk about the, the last elephant in the room here is uh, Miami is going to have a good opportunity despite all of the coaching wins that they've had. I can't foresee this gang getting too broken up. I don't really see a lot of over tur- or, or turnover uh, in this coaching staff because none of the names in Miami are being tabbed for other jobs. None of the names in Miami are being pointed to other opportunities, which is great news for Miami. No general manager, uh, no front office changes anticipated. Uh, The support staff, the one to watch will be if Josh McDaniels gets hired uh, from somewhere as a head coach. Maybe he starts calling around some of these old Dolphins assistants to come get promotions to go with him wherever he's going to go. The fact that Josh McDaniels is getting requests for head coaching vacancies is another story altogether that I can't believe is a real life thing in 2019 after the way that McDaniels verbally accepted the Colts job, put together a coaching staff, had coaches sign contracts to coach in New England or in Indianapolis under McDaniels, and then McDaniels backed out the night before. But that's another story. Uh, listen, the, the the Miami Dolphins should have fans feeling nothing but excitement with what this team and what this coaching staff was able to do with the ammunition that they had this year. You think about last year at this time, Adam Gase said, well, you know, the the Dolphins, we kind of just ran out of bullets. We ran out of ammunition. And that's why we lost three straight games to end the year. Games that arguably should have been won by Miami. Not the Minnesota game per se. But the Jacksonville game, the Buffalo game, absolutely. Miami had beaten Buffalo the first time, and Jacksonville was not in good shape. Adam Gase couldn't get that team that was 7-6 and six, and then 7-7 seven and seven after the loss to Minnesota. Couldn't get them to play up and play a game. Brian Flores' Dolphins were 3-11 and 11 after getting throttled by the New York Giants and looked to be completely out of gas. 
and then won consecutive games at home in overtime with a season-high yardage of over 500 yards against the Cincinnati Bengals, and then went to Foxborough and beat the New England Patriots, who needed the win to secure the two-seed in the playoffs and did not get it. And you know what? There are a whole bunch of folks around the NFL right now who are really, really big Miami Dolphins fans for keeping New England out of the playoffs uh, first round by scenario because New England has actually believed this never played in the Super Bowl in which they have had to play in the wild card round, which is a crazy stat, but a stat that has been confirmed. So cheers to the Miami Dolphins, cheers to the 2019 season being one that was probably the most fun you could possibly have going five and 11. This first month of this season was not a lot of fun. It looked like it would get very ugly. But the fact that it did not tells you everything you need to know about the Miami Dolphins. The growth, the development, the culture that this team is instilling. It's I know it's such a cliche, but it's going to hold weight and it's going to be legitimate part of what the Dolphins are able to do and where they're able to build this roster from here is going to be centered around individuals that fit the foundation of what they've laid this year. So if you want to figure out the kinds of players that Miami's going to be targeting, that's where you need to look. Guys that are lunch pail guys who love the work, who are team first players, not to say you can't buy talent, not to say you can't bring in high-end players with a lot of skill. I think the Dolphins will absolutely positively be involved on that front. And with the Dolphins now off the schedule, we can shift our focus to who some of those players may be. I look forward to doing that the next time we get together here on Finit to Win It. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Come back and see us again next time. Thanks, as always, for listening, and fins up. Go Dolphins!